Welcome back to Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. I'm Sarah R. And I'm Sarah B. And today we're going to talk about cognitive distortions. And I thought maybe a really good place to start for our listeners who maybe haven't heard this term before is with a little zine that um, I have. So we've mentioned these zines uh, in the past. They're like from a mental wellness uh, company that produces uh, games and, and little zines related to mental health. And this one is from the Pocket Panic series um, from this company called Small Supply. So we'll link to them. But I thought it would be a really good place to start just to list some of these things. So cognitive distortions is a very fancy way of saying how your thoughts can be distorted or false or your, your way of thinking about things can be distorted or false and, and it can lead to anxiety and self-doubt. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some possibilities. Sarah, you chime in if you're like, oh, that one's one of my greatest hits uh, <laughs> or whatever. For sure. Okay, um, so uh, number one, all or nothing thinking. Looking at situations yep. in extreme black or white categories. That one's a familiar friend, old friend uh, to me. Yes, of me as well, yeah. Number two, overgeneralization. Um, mm-hmm. So that's thinking or believing that something always happens or will happen again because it happened once. Also sounds real familiar. Number three, mental filter. Dwelling on the negative details of a situation and by doing so, concluding the whole situation is negative. Similarly, number four, disqualifying the positives transforming neutral or positive experiences into negative ones. For example, thinking that your accomplishments quote unquote don't count. Obviously there can be like a lot of overlap, I think between these. Number five, jumping to conclusions, assuming what people are thinking or going to think or making negative unrealistic predictions about a future situation. Number six, magnification or minimization blowing things out of proportion or shrinking them to make them seem unimportant. So maybe just like distortion of the relative importance of things. Number seven, emotional reasoning. Taking how you're feeling as truth. For example, I feel like a failure, so I must be a failure. Oh my gosh, that one's like really, really strong for me. Really strong. Yes, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's true for all humans, I feel, <laughs> actually. Truly, yeah. That's a very truly. human pattern, right? To just... You think it's also thoughts too, though, right? We over identify with our thoughts. We think because we're thinking them, they must be true. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, number eight, should statements, trying to motivate yourself by saying, I should do this or I must do that. Lots of shoulds, yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, nine, labeling or mislabeling, calling yourself or someone else a insert negative thing here because of your mistakes or theirs. Number 10, personalization, taking the blame or feeling guilty for a situation that is beyond your control. So that's the end of the zine. That is literally the exact same order of this handy dandy sheet that I had printed out. (laughs) Someone clearly had the same source. And I was just laughing with Sarah about it because like we saw the same therapist back in Boston a long time ago and in like 2009. And I still have this sheet from one of my first therapy sessions because it's a good one. It's a good ass sheet and it's like kind of tattered and it's falling apart, but it has all of them one through 10 in the same order. The only thing that it has a little bit different is in the number five jumping to conclusions. It also has like subcategories of, um, 
uh, mind reading. So you, Mm-mm-mm. like, basically assume, you are, like, automatically assume someone's reacting negatively to something, but you don't actually check that. You know, you in- interpret things negatively and assume a negative intention by someone without actually um, bothering to clarify that because often we're wrong. You know, we, we tend to uh, see the negative, especially when we're kind of in a bout of cognitive distortioning. And then the other one is fortune teller error. You anticipate that things will turn out badly and then feel convinced that your prediction is already an established fact. You know, so you, I guess yeah. it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy in that, in that sort of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise they're the exact same, <laughs> the exact same ones. I think, yeah, they're, I mean, all of them resonate at some level, but I have some of them already starred on this sheet. <laughs> Tell me which like ones you starred. Tell me which ones you starred. <laughs> disqualifying the positive i think this is like really common for Ooh, you're imposter. a champion of that uh, people, you're a champion like, of that oh yeah obviously you know they just don't count like in yourself not in others not in others yeah right well that's that's why it's a cognitive distortion you don't do it for everyone <laughs> you know but yeah you like just <laughs> reject positive and be like well that doesn't matter because it just happened because of luck or because someone was being nice to me or blah, blah, blah. Like, I just got this fellowship because someone on the panel liked me or whatever, you know? Um, the number six I also had starred, which is magnification, catastrophizing, or minimization. Um, so I think I do the catastrophizing a lot. You know, I run down kind of this, uh, filter of extreme things that will happen like well this will happen and then this will happen and then this will happen and then I'll like die alone you know right spiral and like uh (laughs) I don't know yeah it's like a huge spiral that ends in a completely nonsensical (laughs) yeah right I don't know you know like die alone in a shed in Montana or something I don't know you know you just like go really out of control wow Movie reviewers would give that, like, such a bad review because they would be like, oh, my God, the script, like, pivoted to such an unrealistic. <laughs> it started, the movie started out so good, and then it ended in some shed in Montana. It was like, this director, like, obviously was going for an Oscar. <laughs> Failed. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, anyway, I had that one start. And then the other one I have started is should statements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I should do this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but really, like, I'm wondering now if, if I have new ones. So I definitely, uh, when you were reading them, I feel the emotional reasoning is something that's really hard. And I don't know why I didn't star that one before. But like, our thoughts just seem much more true because they're in our head. But when someone else says crazy thoughts, we can discount them. Or when a friend says crazy thoughts or feelings, we're like, oh, but that's not true because you're awesome or whatever. Right. But when it's our own thoughts or our own feelings we really do latch on to them in a way that's uh, just objectively not true because we treat them with much higher resonance than an actual objective truth because they're in our brains or something. And I do think like part of mindfulness is to distance yourself from those thoughts and to recognize they're just thought events, you know, they're not necessarily the be all and end all truth. And I think that's like probably the biggest thing that I've learned from mindfulness and I'm not an expert of it at it by any means, but I feel like I was so locked into that cognitive distortion back in 2009, whenever I got the sheet, I didn't even recognize it in myself, Mm. but it's super, super strong. I feel like it's almost like having a conversation with yourself 
about it, um, where it is sort of existential in a way. You're like engaging, having a conversation with some other voice in your mind. And you're yeah. saying, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying to this other voice, and yet I think it's flawed, or I think you're not getting the whole picture. You know, it's like um, training yourself to have that conversation in real time instead of being like railroaded by an extremely loud voice yeah. that you just take to be, to be truth. So I have some, some greatest hits too. In fact, I've had a lot of relief from many cognitive distortions from using an app lately, Sarah. Um, I was telling you a little bit about it. It's called yeah. Mood Kit, but I think that this app's functionality is in many other apps too. Basically, it's like um, a thought journal. So um, mm-hmm. I describe the situation and my initial thoughts about it and then how I feel about it. Like there's a list of emotions that you can associate with the thought. It's like a scroll down list. Shame gets a lot of play on that list. Click in shame a lot. Um, a lot of guilt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of guilt, um, right. and a lot of like anxiety. And then you identify which cognitive distortions are relevant to the thinking. Yeah. And then you try to modify the thought without the distortions. And then you revisit yeah. how strongly you were feeling the feelings after you modify. Um, so let me give an example. This is real. This is from my actual life. Um, at a dinner party, I hear that another young woman another L'Oreal fellow and junior to me has received a faculty position at a place she wants to be. I felt a flush of anxiety and envy, a feeling of apartness and strangeness. Um, that is a real common one. I feel like distant and, and separate from other people. Mm. Um, like I'm just not as good as they are and other feelings. And you know, it like comes and goes mm-hmm. like so quickly, or I shouldn't say it, it goes quickly. It, it comes on so quickly, like a flush of panic. Yeah. Um, and then the e-folding time yeah. to when it disappears is, like, so long. Um, my <laughs> initial thought is I am different and separate from people who are smart and capable. There is something different and less than about me that I am not sought like other people are. Inevitably, I think about my relationship status and how the same things are reflected there. I cannot seem to be able to achieve the trappings of romantic and professional success and growth like people around me. Um so anxious i put 65 (laughs) percent i don't know what the fuck i don't know like what zero to (laughs) i don't know what 100 percent anxious is but i put 65 ashamed i put 80 percent that's strong maybe it's like um of your total (laughs) buffer or whatever envious 80 (laughs) percent um i identified uh i identified the following distortions about it um all or nothing thinking um Mm, downplaying positives emotional reasoning and um, negative filtering so it's nice to kind of see them all listed there all of these cognitive distortions to be like this applies this could also apply this thing could also apply and then I have a modified thought this woman who I met a couple times got a job though she walks a similar path to me the story is not about me I feel pain when I feel separate and alone and I tell myself a story about how I'm unworthy The reason I cannot identify why I am unworthy, though I try, I'm not pretty enough, I don't publish enough, is because there is no such simple Mm. reason. I'm worthy of faculty jobs Mm -hmm. because I have been offered one. I'm worthy of love because I have experienced Mm -hmm. it. My story is one of both joy and Mm -hmm. pain, but being professionally incapable or unattractive are not part of my story. Um, Okay, so anxiety went from 65% to 35%. Ashamed, 
I went from 80% Good. to 30 percent to 30%. Um, envious. That's good. That's stronger than any medication out there. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Envious, I went from 80% to 0%. Okay, so that is one uh, example. Nice. Do you want to share an example, sir? That's really great. Well, I am not as thoughtful as you, so I don't get to the the end state. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, I haven't done this exercise, but but hearing how beautifully it comes out. Well, I do it in a different way. What I would say I do is um, I do free writing where I do, like, stream of consciousness. So I remember doing this a lot also when I was graduating, uh, you know, with my PhD and, like, I had a lot of fear thoughts or a lot of stress thoughts, a lot of anxiety thoughts, a lot of anger, upsetness thoughts or whatnot. And I would kind of write them all out, you know, Mm -hmm. um, not even using complete sentences. And then I would finish the writing session by doing positive affirmations. Like, I know this is not true because of this. I, you know, and I would kind of speak back to them. I don't have the journal with me, so I don't, um, I should, you know, I don't really have something off the top of my head, but it was, you know, it could be things like, you know, yeah, this all, uh, all or nothing, nothing thinking or this mental filter, those happen a lot as well, I think. Um, especially with imposter syndrome, the me- mental filter, right? You pick out the single negative detail and dwell on it ex- exclusively so that your vision of all reality becomes darkened, like yeah. the drop of ink that discolors the entire, t- entire beaker of water. And I feel like with the imposter syndrome, this comes up a lot. You know, say I didn't get something or I am late on submitting revisions or or whatever. And then this negative thought will come up and be like, well, I'm just not cut out to be a scientist because I can't even handle uh, doing this project or meeting this deadline, etc. You have to step back and be like, but I have had success. Get out of my brain, Sarah. How do you know all my thoughts? <laughs> right. How do you know <laughs> daily, my daily mind. struggle. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's the Sarah B and Sarah R loop, <laughs> tape loop of greatest hits of imposter thoughts and probably lots of other people out there. What a great title for our memoir. <laughs> if I'm I start sorry, being stressed ahead. about it, then, I, then I'll write it down and then I'll also uh, say positive things back to it. So I think it's kind of what you do with this app, only I'm not necessarily thinking about in terms of these filters, which I think is something I would like to add um, after having this conversation. So I would just normally like write back positive things like I know this is not true because I have objectively had these uh, successes, you know, or, or say like when I got my first fellowship and I thought it was a fluke, I got a second fellowship. So, you know, it's like harder to justify yeah, well, that Sarah, this is all a fluke, hmm. you know, so I just like... Yeah. It's still a fluke, but, you know, it's like the, the fluke percentage has gone from, I don't know, like 90, <laughs> 95% to like maybe like 60% or something. Anyway, so, you know, you, you can slowly like talk back to it. So I do that with free writing. Uh, and then I think, but there's still like this, I don't know, with imposter thoughts, as we've talked about before, you can convince yourself they're true because you can jump through so much reasoning so quickly like you just change the tune if someone like knocks down it's like playing whack-a-mole someone knocks down one of your uh reasons why you think you're actually the real imposter and just you have another one ready to go you know yeah and and so I think it's important to yeah identify like all of the cognitive distortions that are common because a lot of them come up 
with imposter syndrome or just in life, whether it be like if you have physical or mental health crisis, or like you said, in dating life, it does, these, these happen across the board in all areas of our life in the sense of unworthiness and shame. Yeah. Um, and apartness. So, yeah. And so I think, I think it's really helpful to like you, like you are doing with this app. I was also thinking, so your app, I know costs, costs some money. Uh, one thing that I was, that I do with, I keep a daily health and a daily work log that I have an automated Google script that sends it to me. So I can, we can post, I can put the directions on how to do that because this is a free solution. So you could just go on and make a Google form Mm -hmm. and basically put exactly the same things and it'll automatically email it to you. And what I like about it is it not only emails it to you, you can email it so the HTML shows up in your email. So you fill out the form in your email. So you just type it in at the end of the day and then hit submit and it saves it to a spreadsheet. So, so that's something that I think might be a nice, um, like if for the technologically, uh, brave out there to set up like a automatic script to email yourself this HTML form. It's not too hard and there's directions online, which I have. So, um, Heck yeah. that might be something. Do you want to hear, um, one that I think is on both of our greatest hits albums, Sarah, and it's very applicable. Oh, Sure. Give it to of me. Of course, all of these. Yeah, it it involves our favorite verb, which is fritter. To fritter away. Oh, I things. love that verb. I feel like I fritter <laughs> away so many things yeah. to just like waste waste my time. Also, oh. I just want to note that so many of my thought entries are at like 1.45 a.m., by the way. Like it, I record the time <laughs> Oh, it. This I is know. like a very strong time I for know. me to revisit I... all my values. <laughs> Mine's 4 a.m. I've actually had this recently. <laughs> I know how stressed I am. No, I like sleep first, Sarah. So what happens is, is like once I get kind of that critical amount of sleep, that's like four or five hours. Right. Then when I wake up, say just naturally go to the bathroom or something, that's when my brain decides it's time to think about all of these things. Right. And I know when I'm stressed because I usually fall back asleep very fast. But when I'm stressed and anxious about work, especially this greatest hits album plays from like four to five thirty a.m., which happened last night. I'll have you know, the same DJ. The it happened last DJ. night. I had to like put on some meditation. It was horrible. I had to like put on some meditation music and read a book again to like get myself to go back to sleep because I was just like in this loop of like, well, I frittered away this and I'm behind on this and I'm never gonna get a job and oh blah, you know the. The all or nothing and the overgeneralization, the catastrophizing, all of it. <laughs> and the mental filter, you know, everything. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay, you're gonna. So, um, okay, tell me about. Tell me really about. Hard. Okay, one from 1.45 a.m. This is a couple weeks ago. Situation Remembering my time in Seattle is so tremendously painful to me. I feel a flush of shame that I didn't do more work, that I didn't take more advantage of my time there. I feel apart from others who work harder and have some essential goodness that I am lacking, a goodness of faith in how they engage in astronomy. Well, I'm wasteful with my time in contrast. Okay. um, Uh Initial thought, thinking about things I have yet to do. I run through my to-do list before bed. I feel powerless to make any progress on it as though the force of inertia Uh is stronger than me. I always feel like that. My inertia is like Uh way stronger than any love I have of astronomy or like motivation to do it. Inertia Uh will outweigh me. Okay. Uh Ashamed 100%. 
get that 100% <laughs> shame. I, I yeah. really like peaked out uh, 100% broke the mic. <laughs> um, frustrated 70% guilty 100%. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Whatever that The means. guilt is I high. I get it. I get it. Yeah. An A plus in guilt. Oh, my God. This is like a, a <laughs> really strong distortions, too. I was able to identify all or nothing thinking, downplaying positives, right. emotional yeah. reasoning, yeah. labeling, and negative filtering. This is a real one-two punch, you know what I mean, of, of cognitive distortion. It's like an example that should be in a textbook, I guess. Okay. Do you want to <laughs> hear, hear the modified thought? Yes, please, because okay. I probably should write this down and say it out loud to myself every day. <laughs> okay, um, I have to admit, as with the bad advisor narrative, oh yeah, that's another thought I often have with cognitive distortions that I'm a bad advisor um, mm. to students. I have to admit, as with the bad advisor narrative, no one has ever said to me that I wasted my time or that I didn't make the best use of my Sagan fellowship. Okay, so just stepping outside of this, that really is true. Mm-hmm. No one outside yeah. of me has ever said, this is what I think yeah. about this situation. I feel very strongly that it's true and that I deserve to feel shame for it, but it is undeniably true that this understanding is coming from within me solely and not from mentors or colleagues. Though I fear even typing it that they think it but don't say it. Okay. So at the very least, I do admit that, um, that it is only from within me. The evidence is only from within me, even though I feel like it's true. I also yeah. have some accomplishments I'm proud of for my time in Seattle. Okay, and then I list some accomplishments from my first postdoc. Yeah. Um, I tend to minimize those positives yeah. in my mind. At the core of at least some of my shame is how I worry what my um, postdoctoral sponsor, my first postdoctoral sponsor, thinks of me and that I profoundly let him down. That means I care about what others yeah. think of me very deeply. Mm-hmm. Okay, ashamed, I went from 100% to 55%, all right? 55%. I don't think my shame would go down that far. That's that's good, though. <laughs> but 10%, maybe? 10%. That's like functional shame. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, functional. Frustrated, I really liked 50%, 55% this night. Guilty, 100% to 55%. I don't know why I randomly picked. I think it's yeah. in increments of 5%. Frustrated, 40%. <laughs> frustrated 70% to 50%. Okay, so that's some measurable improvement. That is truly, and I will say this, Sarah, I will say this. Ever since I have journaled this thought and had this exercise about this cognitive distortion, I don't think I've had it at two in the morning. What? I don't think I've had it since. I really don't think so. So That's a miracle. Yeah, well, I'm no longer at 100% shame. (laughs) Just constantly. 100% shame is pretty high. Yeah. It is, I know. And maybe I can totally I am... see the 100% shame. Yeah. And the guilt. Are you, are you oh up my God. there? Are you at 100% oh. shame about frittering your, your time away? Oh, yeah. And guilt. I feel it's fully deserved. I mean, it's like kind of, you know, to me, it's a foregone conclusion. Like, I think it's just objectively true. Okay. <laughs> you know? We were just discussing so... cognitive distortions. What cognitive distortion can you apply to that, Sarah? What you literally <laughs> just said out of your mouth, which is, I feel that it's true. <laughs> yes, this is real yeah, time listeners real I mean, time like, like, she nailed it <laughs> yes yes i'm telling you i'm telling you i'd also do with this one the magnification and minimization i magnify the problems and minimize the good things you yeah. know so that's really strong with this one because i'll highlight all of the things that i haven't done you know rather than what i have done and that's i think 
why I feel so strongly about it being true. You know, that's probably the magnification is what feeds into my emotional reasoning. And I guess that's a mental filter as well. Uh, and disqualifying the positive. And mind reading, you know, I assume that everyone else knows this and this is this is why. Uh, yeah, and then the labeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like pretty much half of these cognitive distortions. <laughs> that's what yeah, I'm saying. A- this one really, ta- I bet that's why it's so hard, Sarah, and why I like, it really wraps its roots like all around me. This particular one about how I've wasted my time. Uh, because I think it's, yeah. it's like yeah. as soon as you detach one of the tentacles with all of its suckers there's like another one you know because there's so many cognitive distortions like around this one that you can look at one of them and try to um think to yourself like no I did have some like positive things that happened during this time um Mm -hmm. and then you get sucked right back in by another tentacle you know that's like no but I feel like it's true (laughs) I don't care for it Sarah I'll say that I don't care for it and then other people must think it's true because this is why I don't have a job or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, oh, it's a real story. Oh, I am familiar with that one. Oh, believe you me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that again, everything. I think it's, like, objectively true. <laughs> this is this is what I blame all of that on, you know? <laughs> no, it's really, it's really, yeah, that's, that's a really hard one. I think it's... I cannot believe that you've not had this after doing this exercise. That, to me, is really a powerful uh, message. Knock on wood. Yeah, it really has. Yeah, it really has helped. Oh, my gosh. The Seattle thing, um, that was very common that I would feel like a flush of anxiety and shame at, like, 2 a.m., even remembering my life in Seattle. Um, And, like, a Uh. flush of, like, displacement. That was a very common, uncomfortable piece of my um, day-to-day life. I would say so that's um wow yeah so that's really nice wow that they they budged it it budged wow. you know um did I tell you I think I showed you I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but I think I showed you my journal because I do most of this in like my journal that I take with me everywhere yeah. um but I have like my stickers uh that I give myself for even sometimes the smallest of yes small tasks. oh I remember so, so I've bought stickers on Amazon or somewhere online, eBay or something, um, that say like, good job, excellent, oh you know, yes. uh, whatever, oh. superstar, whatever, you know, I mean, you know, stars and everything. Right. And then I also have like special metallic stickers that are cute cats for when I finish like a big task, <laughs> but I get to end, I get to yes. end my sticker page and yeah. I'll get my stickers. So Often they'll be for, like, say, a specific paper, a specific project, and I'll have, like, my lineup of Pomodoro stickers. But then um, also when it when the going gets really bad, I think once I just, like, I felt, like, just so awash in all this stuff I had to do, like, kind of overwhelmed, a lot of it not necessarily moving mm-hmm. forward research, but just kind of academic administration nonsense, you know, like, maybe I have to review this paper or help out this grad student or whatever, you know, fill out these reimbursements, answer these emails, you know, just kind of a bunch of nonsense that was feeling overwhelming. And normally that stuff I kind of just do and chip away at, but this, for whatever reason, this day was really hard. And so I like gave myself stickers for all of those as well and like wrote out all of the things I had to do. And I love that little positive reinforcement is enough to keep me going sometimes, not all the time, but often the stickers help. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I really like that idea too. 
I really like that idea too. So it's like trying to kind of re rewire the pattern, you know, so you're maybe not stuck in the exact same rut so that you're starting to feel like maybe some positive sensation when you accomplish something. I also like that it's a physical thing you actually do instead of just like, oh, I feel better. You know, it's like a sticker. Yeah. Right. And because I used to like, I have my Pomodoro app and, you know, I can go through that and see how many Pomodoros or whatever. But this is like, I really enjoy putting a sticker on the page and even just drawing a star when I'm out of stickers. (laughs) That also gives me the same kick. It doesn't need to be fancy, but there's something (laughs) there's something special about having your stickers and giving yourself them when you're working on something. Um, And similarly, I also then like track uh, my uh, Pomodoros, which sometimes stresses me out because I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything. But it is good because I I keep track of like research only Pomodoros and also like administration, teaching, mentoring, whatever other academic responsibility Pomodoros. And then I have a little there's a box because it's a Google form. So you can have these free form boxes, which is why I think this um, uh, cognitive distortion check in would be really good for this. You, so I then write in what I did that day or what I was working on and then hit submit and it like logs it in with the calendar and you can see that. Uh, but, and that's good, but there's something, it's like still that feels like kind of just this tracking, whereas giving myself a sticker seems to be more like Pavlovian happy response. You know? yeah. So I feel more motivation to do the next one. Wow, I really like that. I also give myself stars for meditation and like other things too. So I'll give myself or like track, yeah, like what days I meditate on or um, other things that are fun to me, like maybe writing or, or something else, you know, like uh, I'll also sometimes give my, give myself like a sticker for, for doing each of those things. Cause I find that the more stressed I am, I mean, it's ironic, like you, the more stressed you are in work, sometimes you also accomplish less in work but then you also accomplish less in of the activities that make you thrive in your life so I tend to do like when I'm really stressed I just do less of everything like I do less of the things that make me happy as well as less of the things that I have to do to like be an adult in this world and so you know I'll also resort to giving my stick stickers even for things that I find enjoyable because it's like I'm doing those little self-care activities you know. Let me ask you something, yeah. Sarah. Um, let me ask you something. So I guess the flip side of being constantly inundated with cognitive distortions is that it can be very hard to bear witness to the truth. So let's just say for mm-hmm. argument's sake that in this hypothetical universe, you actually are very talented at astronomy. And I'm just, I'm asking you to entertain this on a hypothetical basis. <laughs> That you actually are very talented at astronomy and very good at it and that others look up to you and that you hold tremendous promise and, you know, are are like a future leader, if not a current leader. So I'll say that. Do you feel like it slides right off your back? You know what I mean? Like, can you hear it? So that would, that's essentially some of what you're describing, free of cognitive distortion, based on, uh, which I feel is how I see you, free of cognitive distortion, where I'm viewing yeah. your accomplishments and I also look at you with like a gaze of appreciation and respect. Do you feel like, can you hear it? I often find I can't even really hear it. 
No. Yeah. I mean, I think because the of the emotional reasoning, like I feel it's not true, therefore it must not be true. I just discount them for various reasons. You know, if you if you tell me that, I will be like, well, but you don't realize how like I couldn't even solve this trivial problem that I was trying to look at last week on how long it took me. You know, I'll just come up with enough examples that are like, well, I'm hmm. not that smart. I'm not so as you think as you fooled me? You fooled this me, person. and you really you rely on that. Oh, sure, I did. Yeah, I and I fooled a lot of people. I feel like I'm a master fooler. <laughs> so is there ever a time <laughs> I you really can have hear fooled it? some it of is, the best? It is almost too. I agree. It's almost at a pitch that's like too painful to hear. But do you ever hear it? Like, let's say not from me. Right. It's a surprise, or it's it's not even from Dimitar. Do you know what I mean? Or we can edit that out if you need. It's not even from someone yeah. who you feel you've like snowed them <laughs> in. Um, no. Do you Dimitar, ever hear Dimitar, I felt it from Dimitar before. Yeah, like one, t- I remember one time Dimitar told me something um, that really stuck with me. It was after my research exam. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really nervous for that. That's like our qualifying exam. And and then afterward, he said, that was the best research exam I've seen since Sarah Seegers. And I like saved that email. It's in my like rainy day folder. Fuck yeah. um, and that like really stuck with me for like, I don't know, a few weeks or something. I mean, it doesn't like have the same staying power now, obviously, because it's been <laughs> years. But there are there are like comments like that, that um, every once in a while, if they come from someone that I really do respect, uh, that I think, you know, wouldn't just say it or they're going out of their way to say something. They're not just saying, oh, good job. You did a good job. You know, it's like, OK, that's like a throwaway comment. But if they take the time to actually state something that they didn't have to state like there's no reason for them to lie about it because they could have just given a much more fluffy answer right that that will resonate with me a little bit longer what does it feel um, like feels good for that moment like it's not that I don't feel good after some accomplishments I do feel sometimes sometimes I'll have like a period of a week or something where I do feel like on top of it or I feel like my contributions matter or um that I'm doing well objectively and that's a really nice a really nice feeling it doesn't last typically that long sometimes it comes from internal things too so often it comes from external things but often that I discount more when it comes from internal that almost feels better but like say after I finish writing a proposal um, and I really like the proposal. I feel really good about myself. I'm like, yeah, this is a good idea. And I have an idea of how to finish it. And and I think like that kind of gives me also a boost, you know, whenever I, I do those things. Hmm. Yeah, I would say it feels like a glow. Um, like I have an email from a colleague of ours who mm. I like really admire. And I think I shared it with you I probably did share everything with you like um that is that is precious to me and it feels like a glow just like a little ball of light in my belly that I feel like warm all over and worthwhile it feels freaking great Mm -hmm. you know it feels freaking great which is like maybe one might argue the truth the feeling of like experiencing the real truth but it's so Mm-hmm. rare and there's a major part of me that fights that that's like no whatever you know what I mean um but that is interesting well I think I think what it is though is it's like some of I think why these thoughts are hard is because they have a small truth to them right mm, so like yeah 
I do think I could be better with my time. That is just objectively true. I do wish I would have followed through on some things sooner than I have. There, there are, yes, there might be other things that I did well, or there might be reasons why those, those, those things happened that are valid reasons, but still, like, I, I feel like why they have such staying power is there's a modicum of truth to them. And, because, you know, we, we talked about this at one point, like, when someone gives you, like, a laughable uh, jab, you know, I had one friend tell me that, like, my boobs were too big, and I was like, this is, like, not true in any universe. Like, there are zero universes where this is true. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you can just laugh. Like, You're like, okay. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's so laughable. It's, like, it didn't hurt at all, because I was like, this is, like, out to lunch, like, not even in the realm of the the universe that we're living in. Yeah. Um, but when someone says something that hits a lot closer to home, it stays with you. And I think the same thing with these cognitive distortions. It's like there is something there that's causing the distortion. And and this is goes back yeah. to this cognitive distortion of um, like magnification or minimizing. Mm. So we just magnify the things that are maybe real and minimize the things that are counter that are also real. So I think moving into a more healthy balance of that. And this is also with mindfulness. Like, yes, I did. I wasn't as efficient as I wanted to be on this, but I can. That still doesn't mean I'm not a worthwhile scientist. I still have had these accomplishments and I have done well on these things. So it's like kind of just giving it its due. It's also going to the labeling, like rather than labeling yourself as I'm lazy or, you know, I've frittered away my fellowship, you can label it as. I have done a lot of things with my fellowship and there are more things that I would also like to do in the future and these are the areas I'm hoping to work on. So you kind of can maybe frame it in a more productive way, yeah, a more helpful way. But I think why, yeah, I, I do think the reason why these cognitive distortions are hard is because there might be some, some modicum of truth. Like say with your advising students, I think you're an excellent advisor. Uh, but there might be something, say you don't respond to emails fast or something like that. I don't. That, uh... that is maybe, yeah, well, I know that's why I pulled that one out. <laughs> but I, yeah, uh, maybe it's something like that where you're like, objectively, this is true, you know, and maybe it's causing my students stress. And 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 so you see that. And, and I think just not having it, like the cognitive distortion that goes with that is this magnification or minimization or mental filter and overgeneralization and otherwise discounting the positive. So... I think you can use some of these things to help you go forward in the future, but recognize that it's not the whole story or try to, like you said, try to rewrite it so that you have a more objective picture of the story rather than this, I'm a loser, I'm horrible, I'm this negative thought, you know, where you're identifying with the cognitive distortion. Let's um, remind our listeners about the resources we mentioned. We started the, the podcast talking about some mental health zines from a company called Small Supply, and they're at www.small.supply. We'll also provide links. I uh, quoted from my literal thoughts. That's, um, I guess, a credit Sarah Ballard's brain um, via <laughs> the app Mood Kit. <laughs> Mood Kit. Um, and... Um, Sarah, hopefully you'll share maybe the template for your Google script. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll put some instructions together of how to make your own so that uh, obviously we don't want people uploading their <laughs> their innermost thoughts to my Google spreadsheet, but, <laughs> but I'll, 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 I'll... I would be curious. Right, that, 
<laughs> yeah, that. Um, but I will. I will. I'll provide some. It's it's not too hard, and it's totally worth doing. Um, if you want the cheap option, what I really like about it is that it sends it to my email, where I can just type in directly. Like I don't have to go to a separate page and do it, and that makes me happy. Thank you, Sarah. And I can say, free of cognitive distortion, that we have the best listeners, and. Indeed. (laughs) No cognitive distortions there. If you enjoy our podcast, you can um, subscribe to it or rate us on iTunes. And we love getting your nice reviews. Send us an email. Or send us an email, um, drsarahcare at gmail.com. And uh, we look forward to to hearing any and all of your cognitive distortions, listeners. So that's been another episode of Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. I'm Sarah B. I'm Sarah R. And thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.